Welcome to the wonderful world of dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com. Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance, and today we're discussing the exploration of the gender spectrum with a new premiere called Other Voices, which is being presented by Nashville Ballet as part of their annual Attitude platform. Other Voices brings together four renowned choreographers. I think I knew at a really young age that that was the only thing that I wanted to do. Um, I was choreographing and making dances and improvising in my home as a child, in the living room, bouncing off furniture. So it was just something that um, was kind of ingrained. I was definitely born with it. And um, I've, I, I've always danced to a, a, as a career. I, had, I worked at a bank when I was really young. And... Um, I could just, you know, you know that that's just not going to be what your your career is going to be at the end of the day. So dance and creating creating um, movement was definitely something that um, was always my main focus. Did you just say you worked in a bank once? I did, yeah. How? I worked at a bank when I was in university and I would like do routines down the hallways <laughs> so it just it was a summer job when I was in, when I was in college I'm actually from Toronto Canada and um, I just really I guess I was just making money saving money so that I could go to New York because that was always my dream and you trained at the Alvin Ailey school tell us about that I did yes yeah yeah I trained at the Ailey school and for three years and when I um when I initially moved to New York City, I knew that I wanted to choreograph, so I was building dances. I was creating work in Toronto before I had gotten to New York, but um, when I got to New York City, the level of dancers was was so phenomenal that I wanted to start creating work right away. So even though I was becoming, I was classically trained and I was taking my technique classes, I was definitely choreographing through that whole time period. And how old were you at, at this time when you, as you say, moved from Toronto? In my to early 20s. In my early 20s, I moved to New York City. Early 20s. Um, and you're already yeah. creating work. This is something yeah. you've been doing for a while. What inspired yeah. you to get started in the first place? It's just something um, what inspired me to do this. I mean, I was making dances in high school. I think um, sometimes choreographers learn how to choreograph. They start taking composition classes um, in university, what have you. But I... I was already drawn to composition at a very, very early age, which, is, which isn't really common. My goal really wasn't to perform for um, a dream dance company. It's always been to choreograph for a dream dance company. So my, um, my, I, my attachment to, to storytelling and um, moving audiences was, um, was just really important to me. And what was the sort of first works like and the first experiences of creating your own voice and your own narrative and your own works? What was that like for you? Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. I don't think it has changed that much in regards to um, storytelling. I think my work isn't, isn't abstract. It usually comes very, very truthful experience. So whatever that was happening within my, within my life, my experiences of life is, is what I would dive into. And that was what, was what would be able to help me um, manifest movement. And 
And I've kind of carried those same traits, even though as I've gotten older and gotten more exposure, it's really important to me to be emotionally attached to my work when I choreograph. And I've been doing that now, and I was doing that at a very young age. You mentioned uh, having quite a narrative in terms of your work, but how would you describe your choreographic language or your movement language? Um, <clears throat> Well, I think it's a pro the, the process embodies a concept. So if I am doing a work on, on, on a certain topic, I will make sure that that topic I am emotionally attached to. So I have to be emotionally full and I have to have the music that kind of carries me before I walk into the studio. And then when I do walk into the studio, the process is really just, I, I always describe it as painting. So I tend to not walk around with a notebook or a pen. I just begin to um, let those, those feelings kind of come out within a three or four hour process in, in rehearsal time. And, I, and, and, the, and the, the movement just begins to flow. I don't um, necessarily go back on what's been delivered out of my body because then I start questioning it. And I think it's always important to kind of um, just honor what has uh, has come out truthfully, and that's usually that that's usually a more successful piece. And when you're in the studio and you're creating, is it something that you do with the dancers, or do you go into the studio by yourself? How does that work? No, I do it immediately with the dancers. I do it immediately. Um, you know, when you're getting commissions, you don't always know who's going to be in front of you. And I want to make sure that I also don't um, push any, any emotional storytelling or emotional experience on the dancer. I want them to develop that themselves. So really, I just kind of, I spend maybe about 30 minutes to an hour looking at the facility that's in front of me as a mover. And then I begin to immediately start to uh, choreograph and set work on that body. Um, I have not restaged my works, which isn't really common for a lot of choreographers. They usually keep, um, you know, a piece of work that is in their repertory, for, that, that is in the choreographic repertory for a while. And, um, and for me, when I work with a new company, I want to make sure that I am really setting work on their dancers. And I think it's just, uh, it's just a more enjoyable process for myself and also for the dancers so that they feel that they're, they're, there's something really organic about the process. And that must make each of the works for each of those specific companies and for those specific dancers and those bodies and those artists quite unique and special for that company. Yes, I mean, every dance company is different and all these bodies are different and it's just, that, that, that's really what, kind of a choreographic career is about, right? To paint these different stories on these different bodies and see what, what can evolve. And um, it just allows the uniqueness of every single dance company to come to the surface. And how do you, working with the dancers, how do you draw um, that uniqueness out? How do you um, get the dancers to sort of engage in that process with you? I think understanding I, I had an acting teacher that always said to watch and observe and understand instincts. And uh, I've carried that through as I rehearse with artists, whether they're actors or singers or dancers. And I think that allows um, 
the walls to come down that allows the vulnerability to kind of not be judged and allow that um, that energy exchange to happen within the process. And it's in a, in a comfortable zone. And it, it goes beyond me just giving an artist movement. It's important for me that, um, you know, I have a, a, an understanding of what personality walks into the room as well, because, you know, you could have 40 dancers in the room and you have to kind of honor all these different and unique characters and artists in general are, are sensitive. So you have to have the ability to, um, to give the phrase work, but also um, meet them halfway and understand how they are giving you movement back, how they're um, understanding what the end goal is, but really getting a good idea of, of, of what personality is there. So let's talk about other voices then with the Nashville Ballet. Yes. So the artistic director, Paul Vasiling, has set four questions I was reading. Those being, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be both? And what does it mean to be neither? Mm -hmm. How have you interpreted and responded to these questions that Paul has said? He, I was, um, I was asked what, 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 what was it to be a woman? Okay. And I remember <laughs> when someone asks you that, you're just, you just, there's so many responses to that because we're not, well, there's so many layers to us. So it, it was definitely something that was, that I had to sit on for a while. It's not, it's not something where you're like, okay, got it. You know, we're going to run with this. So um, we had spoke about it about a year in advance, which allowed me enough time to develop um, a clear synopsis of what I really wanted to do. But um, what is a woman is, is not an easy thing to do in 20 minutes. But because, yeah, the work is about 20 minutes long. So it was, it, it's not a difficult, it, it, it's a difficult task to kind of attack. It's almost like the question like, what is the universe? <laughs> what, yeah, is, <laughs> what is yes. it to be a woman? This, this is no easy <laughs> question. And, and like you say, yes. to find an answer that fits into 20 minutes must yes. be an extraordinary yes. experience. How did you come at it? What was your perspective? What did you bring? Well, I, I started looking at just the characteristics of what, of what I was on a personal level and then also just looking at um, my friends around me and trying to figure out how I really wanted to present the female body on stage. Um, it was important for me to show fearlessness and show bravery. And, um, uh, but I also wanted to show different levels of obedience and different levels of, um, of vulnerability. If I was creating duets and trios with men, how do I really start interacting the male body and the female body on stage? And um, that's kind of where the starting point was when I, when I started to create. And for this type of program, what does it mean for you as you know, the female creator with this, you know, this question? What does it mean for you as a creator and as a, as a woman and as a person? What, can you? Oh, Leah, maybe I need to like re rephrase that. Like I'm, I'm just trying to think about um, 
sort of maybe I mean, sometimes people always ask, as a female choreographer, do you create differently than a man? And it's not, it, no, it doesn't, it's not, I don't know what, I don't, I don't really approach my work from a strong feminine perspective. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but I just kind of, I'm, I'm more of a, I, I would prefer to, to tell and share the integrity of the story of the artist on stage, not necessarily, um, I don't think my, my work is any more feminine or any less masculine or it's just work. It's just work. It really yeah. is. It, it's just work. Yeah, because there is this thing about, uh, you know, the sort of female choreographer. Yes. Having yes. Female bit first before the choreographer. And yes. You're just a, not just a, but you are, a choreographer and yes. the work speaks for itself, not as you yes. necessarily can't, I guess you can't detach one from the other, but no, it doesn't make the other necessarily. No, the yeah. work itself speaks for itself. I don't think it's um, gender specific. Uh, what I will say is that I come from a background that has, um, has a hip hop background, has a lot of urban aesthetics, and that uh, can be sometimes described very uh, ferocious. And there's like a power behind it, which is the complete opposite of a ballet um, trained background. So the idea of playing with those two different energies um, is very is very clear in my work and I try to, I, I try to experiment on how they can clash and also how they can kind of fuse together to make something really beautiful. And how did you get involved in this particular platform with the National Ballet? Uh, I was asked to do an emergence program. And, you know, actually, I think the first recommendation was by Annabella Choa. So she recommended me to Paul Basterling and he gave me an opportunity to do a much shorter piece. So I did, um, I believe I did a 10 minute work with uh, another composer named Christina Spinet from Nashville. And what's exciting about working here in Nashville is that it's such a huge um, music, uh, musical artist community. So a lot of the works that they do here at the National Ballet are usually integrated with musicians. So I was able to work with a classical um, pianist composer and then um, I did a shorter program and it was well received. So then they asked me to come back and, and do this work. So it's on a, it's a, it's at the TPAC, it's on the TPAC stage. So it's not in, it's not an in-studio showing. And we're also working with um, the musicians called Lewis York who are phenomenal. And um, that's, that, that, that was kind of the evolution of it. Generally, when I work with different ballet companies, they ask me to create a smaller work, and if it's well-received, then we start getting the opportunities get bigger. How would you describe the, the company and the dancers to those who may not have seen them before? What do you think makes the dancers and the company special? You know what? There's a lot of ballet companies that have uh, levels of hierarchy within it. So you'll have corps de ballet or principals or demi-soloists. And... Um, National Ballet does not operate that way. 
And when you walk into the room, it's an even playing field of all the movers. And that allows for the relationships between them and also between me to almost remain neutral. It's just something that um, allows the experience to be about the work and nothing else. And that is, uh, that, that's, that's a nice experience because there's just no, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. You're really just focused on creating the good work. Does that affect sort of how you sort of select the dancers for particular um, other a solo or a duo or, you know, in terms of, you know, you don't have the principal there and you think, oh, you know, I best use the principal like this or does that affect how you work at all? Uh, you know, I, I love the underdog. I always like to put the underdog at the forefront. So I would say, I would say no. Um, sometimes, you know, you're aware of it. Like when you, when you know it's there, you're, you, it, it's, you could, you can be influenced by it. Um, you know, there's a, sometimes there's a really clear difference between a principal dancer and a core as, as it should be, you know, like you're a principal because you have pretty much every skill, like, and, and it's come together. You're just more seasoned. But, um, uh, I try to not make, I try to not allow that to influence me in casting because I just, um, want to make sure that the dancer in the room that is able to translate my movement and my vision the best is the person that gets the, that, that is the person that gets the part. And I was reading um, about the Other Voices program um, where Paul says, and I sort of read the quote out, in the mainstream media, we're seeing similar stories being told and retold. We've had the same perspective and experiences brought to life through every artistic medium possible for so long. And he goes on talking about, you know, this singular voice we often see. I'm interested in sort of what Paul is saying about how, you know, there seems to be often a singular perspective um, and the same stories retold. And it's about how do we, as, a, as the sort of dance industry, um, how do we celebrate and encourage uh, different perspectives and different voices into the industry and into the work and into the companies and to what transpires on stage in terms of the stories that are being told, the types of dances that we are seeing, you know, the type of work that is being commissioned. Right. Yeah. I think, I, you know, I, it's important that artistic directors are taking more risks. Um, there's so many factors that... that that influence the decision of curating and it's it, whether it's box office tickets or or a board of directors that um, expect to see um, something traditional we have to we have to push we have to push that bar and we have to um, we have to do it aggressively because the world is changing and the ballet world needs to keep up and um, you know, we have the younger, the, the dancers, the more seasoned dancers, when they decide to retire, we have a younger generation that want to perform different stories. And you don't want them to, to get stuck in a rut where they don't want to um, be a part of 
ballet anymore. So it's important for artistic directors to um, take risks in their ideas. And then it's also important for choreographers to say, no, I really want to talk about this. And do you think the audience is ready for this? And uh, sometimes it's not that easy to, to pitch ideas in the ballet world. And um, I think that has a huge, because, because the, the tradition has, has had such longevity and success, it's, it, it's very difficult to, to kind of put your foot down. But I think um, I've had many conversations with different artistic directors where they, they've said to me, um, they've said to me they think it's time. And it, it, and it is because especially in the climate, what's going on politically, we need to make sure that we are creating art that can have the world really respond to it and, and understand it and, and, and make sure that the world kind of sit, that you, want, you want an audience to learn something before they walk out of the theater. You want an audience to be able to think about something and think about the images that they've seen and let it resonate. And uh, we don't want to keep seeing the same stories over and over. Well, you started to answer one of the questions I was going to ask about your piece, in fact. Um, tell me more about your piece and what it is that you want audiences to take away from your work with the Nashville. Uh, well, I think lately I've always been trying to play with um, the power of the of the female ballerina and what she can do in regards to um, taking on a male energy in the room. And a huge part of the work is, uh, although it opens up with um, a vulnerability of of staying quiet and being very um, conservative when the male dancer is 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 approaching her. Uh, I have made um, an emotional arc within the work where the women begin to kind of take ownership and they start, they start um, taking hold of that fierce and masculine energy and making sure that, you know, they're able to, to not be the flower in the room and make sure that, you know, they, they, they can hold their own and, 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 and kind of, and, and own the stage, and not just in a beautiful, sensual way, but in a ferocious way. I want to understand sort of that moment when you decided to, you know, create your own company, um, which I think is fantastic. I love seeing women create their own companies, and I just want to hear more about what inspired you uh, to to do this and what your experience was like. Okay, what I will say about that is that when you're working, when you're doing commissions for other companies, you are in many times in, uh, you're coming into a very structured experience. And there can be, we need you to, I, I don't have the word for it, but the, it's, it's that you have to fit into this box and you need to create this work within this box. So it's a breath of fresh air for me to go back to New York City and work with the dancers that I've been working with over 11 years who are familiar with what I do um, stylistically and are also willing to take a chance. And then there's no rules because I can do 
whatever I want. If I want to do a multimedia piece or if I want to make it as, uh, as uh, I, I don't have to worry about pleasing a board of directors or just selling tickets or, you know what I mean? There's just like, there's like yeah. a free, there's definitely a sense of freedom where I can create work and there's no boundaries and I can just, I can play. And I also have the time to do it. And, and because when you're doing commissions, sometimes you have these, you have to create these 24 minute works in two to three weeks. So you start kind of like falling back on different formulas or different, you know, tools that you usually use in order to make sure that you can get through a commission. Whereas when you work with the company, you're able to um, just play, which is, which is important for choreographers. Have you got a specific um, moment or work that with your company has been a really important or really special sort of moment for you that you look back over those 11 years that you mentioned? I did a work called Battlegrounds and that work was probably the, the first work that I did that really had a very clear um, hip-hop aesthetic and a very clear contemporary aesthetic that was like fused and a huge, and I had nine dancers that were, that were presenting that work. And I had hip hop dancers in the cast. And then I also had contemporary dancers in the cast. And uh, it was, um, it was something that I had thought about for, that I was researching for a very long time, but it was, um, it was inspired by gang members in Papua New Guinea. And I had seen photographs of, um, of these, of these gang members in a, in, in a magazine in New York City. And I had contacted the photographer and his name was Stephen Dupont, he was from Australia. And I asked him if I could use these photos in order to create work. And um, he said, yes, absolutely. And that was, um, I just remember, I just felt like there was other artists that were supporting my story, which kind of made you just you know you 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 become more attached to to the work when you when you see the investment of um of you know another photographer that that really wants to see how he is um supporting and influencing another artistic I remember just taking a chance i had figured out you know i went through the photos to figure out who this person was and then i had found him online and i emailed him and i said this is my idea and he was just he just he said, yeah, absolutely. But what was interesting about the story behind those photos is that the um, gang members did not want to be photographed. So he had to wait in this tunnel and whoever wanted to come into the tunnel to get photographed, he just sat there for hours. So he went in there and like one by one, these gang members would come and they would take photographs. But they're these beautiful photographs that just, you could see so much, um, you could see a whole life within their eyes. And um, those are the pictures that I wanted to um, start Battlegrounds about. And uh, it toured in, in the U.S. I got an opportunity to present, to, to present it. And um, it, had, it, 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 had a, it had a life. Because sometimes you create work when you're not, when you're not a huge dance company, sometimes mm -hmm. your works, they're, they're not seen by many. Or it could last two days. 
it could last two evenings and then that's it. So it was nice to um, put that much time into, into a piece of work that was able to have its own life for a while. What do you look for in your dances? Um, well, when I teach class, teaching, um, teaching is very important to me. So my pedagogy definitely uh, requires a very balletic lower body, but this upper body that can manifest a hip hop aesthetic. So the ability to, um, uh, to, to, to move by impulse and music and, and be able to improv and dance with power and, um, it's it's really about being able to be as fierce as possible within within your gestures and um, just be able to kind of each one of my dancers have to be able to hold their hold their own on stage um, and I also think having uh, a background in in house in in hip hop in um, in African is is very important than just being classically trained throughout um, their whole training their whole training life. It creates a different dancer. It creates a different mover. And. Uh, I also think it's important that every dancer that works with me has an ability to act. So if you can't act, then I generally do not um, cast you in any of my works. By acting, is this, um, going back to this ability to tell that story, that's really important to you, someone who can really translate that into uh, onto the audience? Yes. I mean, there's some dancers that move beautifully and they have they can't exude emotion at all. And there is absolutely nothing interesting on stage. And it happens a lot. And I think it's important that more dance conservatories have more um, acting in their curriculum because uh, it makes a huge difference when you see a dancer that can own a stage physically and emotionally versus just physically. Yeah, I think audiences now are just expecting more. You know, I think we, I, I think an audience is expecting more than just. We've seen the flips. We've seen, you know, we've seen these these huge competitions that are in pop culture now, where we'll see these two minutes. We'll see two minutes of movement that is is fun and and great, and it's and it's it, these spectacular moments. But at some point, we need to start asking what else is behind. What, what else is behind that? Yeah, particularly with social media where you get this like split second, you know, of this, you know, spectacular move or, you know, sequence of movements. And then it's like flick for another one and flick for another one and flick for another one. And right. when you go into right. a theatre, you, you want more and you need more. As an right. Author. I mean, I had a younger student come up to me and say, do I need a resume? I have an Instagram page. And I was kind of stunned that they had even asked me that because if, if we have a younger generation that thinks that Instagram 
is is a reflection of what you can do as an artist, then we have a problem. My f- last few questions: What's next for for you then after you have um, pre- yeah, premiered this piece with National Ballet in Other Voices, which is at TPAX Theatre um, on Valentine's Day, the fourteenth of February? Yes. What's what's happening for you after that? I'm creating, uh, this year I'm going to be creating works for Richmond Ballet, uh, Ballet West, Sacramento Ballet, and uh, Ballet Austin. Um, the, the Ballet West piece, I have already started working on it. It was actually the first time a company had given me an opportunity where I could come in for a week and play and then, um, and then really set the week in May. And what's exciting about Ballet West is they have a national choreographic festival that's happening during that premiere. So there's going to be um, several companies across the world that are going to be coming to Salt Lake City to perform. That sounds like quite a busy year for you, 2020. Yes. 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 (laughs) (laughs) It's Um, a lot of storyboards and concepts that I have to, that I have to push out. So it's, um, it can get a little bit stressful, especially if I'm creating new works all the time. But, uh, but yes, fortunately, Cincinnati Ballet is actually restaging a work that's going to be, um, be perform- they're going to be performing it in April. So I, have, I already have one that I don't have to, I don't have to create. That. Yes. <laughs> um, and my final question then is, what advice would you give to other choreographers who um, have, like you, have got an interest in running their own company and creating work that shows their own voice? I never stopped creating work. Every, I'm always, I think that's, I, I think being consistent and um, showing your work no matter how big of an opportunity or small of an opportunity is, it's always about it's always about um, creating and exercising that part of your your craft, and uh, I sometimes choreographers will only choreograph if they have a gig, and that's not always um, the best way to to. I don't want to say practice, but also um, kind of honor your ability to create. Yeah, you always have to. If you really want to be a true creator, I think um, you should always be creating and then the work will come. That is such great advice. Thank you so much for your time. And just a little bit of shout out to um, the other voices, which I mentioned is premiering at TPAC Polk Theatre on Friday, Valentine's Day, 14th of February through to Sunday, the the 16th of February, where you can get your tickets um at the national ballet's website nationalballet.com and most importantly as well follow jennifer on her instagram page that we mentioned (laughs) um which is arc dance company at j-a-r-c-h-d-a-n-c-e that's it on instagram thanks so much thank you thank you Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet, and we hope you'll love us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter.